Welcome to Experiences Canada's Allyship Podcast Series. After participating in a four-month program of bi-weekly webinars on various social justice topics, over 50 youth aged 14 to 18 from across Canada gathered in Winnipeg, Manitoba from May 6th to 8th, 2022 to share their ideas and strategies for community action and youth engagement. As a culminating project for the program, the youth were asked to work collaboratively to develop, record, and edit these podcast episodes on youth allyship and advocacy. We are excited to share their work with the world and provide them with a platform to amplify their voices. Enjoy! Hello, I'm your host, Sada, and welcome to this episode of A Planet for the People. I'm joined by Katie, Mari, Alexa, and Elise. First, I'll pass it over to Katie to explain the term environmental racism. Thanks, Sada. Ingrid Waldron, associate professor at Dalhousie University and author of the book-turned-documentary There's Something in the Water, defines environmental racism as the disproportionate location or siting of polluting industries and communities of color, indigenous communities, black communities, and the working poor. Today, the issue we'll be focusing on is the lack of clean drinking water in Indigenous communities. The average Canadian uses 335 litres of water, the equivalent of 670 standard water bottles, every day. Do you have easy access to that amount? Many of us don't have to think about our next sip of water, but a lack of clean drinking water is still a pressing reality for many Indigenous communities across what is known as Canada and has been for years. Thank you, Katie. So we know many Indigenous communities are lacking clean drinking water, but how is this happening? I'll pass it over to Mari to tell us more. Well, water supply to these communities is often contaminated, difficult to access, or wasn't properly treated at water treatment centres. This means that their water cannot be consumed without posing serious health risks. Although this issue may be present in a variety of communities across Canada, research has shown that there are extreme inequalities in Indigenous communities with respect to the accessibility of clean drinking water. In fact, if you are living in an Indigenous community, you are 90% more likely to be without clean running water compared to other Canadians. Further, you are more susceptible to waterborne illnesses, and there is a 30% chance your community has an outdated water system that poses a threat to water quality. According to Carrie Black, a professor at the University of Calgary, there are three main reasons for the clean water shortage in Indigenous communities, geography, chronic underfunding, and past government policies. With the settlement of British and French colonizer communities in Canada, Indigenous communities were forced into swampland and lowland areas that had very poor water supply. Therefore, many Indigenous communities continue to live in areas with inadequate water resources today. These communities have received little to no funding from the government to aid in their fight for clean drinking water. Additionally, many colonial-era government policies were in place that impeded the ability of Indigenous communities to manage their own water systems. Although those policies have now been demolished and government aid has been rolled out to some affected communities, there are still many who are suffering from the lack of clean drinking water in the communities. Today, there are 33 long-term drinking water advisories in place across Canada. Each advisory means up to 5,000 people have been affected for more than 12 months. These advisories are issued to warn members of a community that their water is unsafe to drink. Some of the latter have been in place for decades, leaving people with little hope of ever being able to drink the water from their own taps. The 33 water advisories are spread across 28 Canadian Indigenous communities who still struggle to access safe drinking water every day. The previously stated communities are found primarily in Ontario, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. They include, but are not limited to, Grassy Narrows First Nation Reserve, Tiendanaga Mohawk Reserve, and Curve Lake First Nation Reserve. Thanks, Mari. 
To hear more about the specific water-related issues faced by these indigenous communities, we'll turn it over to Alexa. Thanks, Sada. As Mari mentioned, multiple factors lead indigenous people to be less likely to receive clean drinking water. The remote locations of many indigenous communities, some accessible only by plane, make setting up water treatment infrastructure logistically challenging. Additionally, as a consequence of colonial laws, indigenous communities have been prohibited from accessing funding and managing their own water treatment systems. It is then the responsibility of the federal government to fix problems. What actions has the federal government taken to fix these problems? That's a great question, Sada, and will be answered in time. But first, let's take a look at one community in particular and see how a lack of clean water has affected them. Curve Lake First Nation, a forested community located only a two-hour drive from Toronto in Ontario, Canada, is surrounded on three sides by freshwater, but it has been almost 40 years since the people of Curve Lake have been able to safely make use of it. The chief of Curve Lake First Nation, Emily Watung, describes the community's frustration. The emotional and spiritual damage of not having clean water, having to look at all the water surrounding us on a daily basis, and being unable to use it, is almost unquantifiable. At the moment, Curve Lake relies on bottled water being shipped to their community. Clean water is not only important for drinking, but also for washing dishes and clothes, and for bathing. In these communities, children have sores and skin diseases caused by the poor water quality. The water can also cause gastrointestinal disorders and issues. Curve Lake, like many other communities, has issues with the E. coli bacteria in their water. Other communities, like Grassy Narrows, have a history of toxic heavy metals that remain from negligent industry. The reason for unsafe drinking water ranges from parasites and bacteria that occur naturally to reactions between organic materials and chemicals that are used in the water treatment plants to purify water. Wait a minute. You mean to say that in some cases the water treatment plants are actually making the fresh water sources even more unsafe to drink? Yes. Ironic, isn't it? In 1983, Curve Lake's water treatment plant was built and was only intended to serve a population of 56 for 20 years. That's not a lot of people and not a long time. As you can imagine, Curve Lake quickly outgrew the capacity of the plant. So what's been done since? Unfortunately, not much. Decades of bureaucracy have delayed upgrades to the infrastructure. The community has had to deal with multiple drinking water advisories, including a boil water advisory that lasted nearly two years. Ontario's Ministry of Environment found issues in the plant during an inspection and called for a new plant urgently. Unfortunately, the province could not do very much. The plant is the responsibility of the federal government, which deemed the priority to be lower. While the federal government approved plans for a new facility, construction is still several years away. Until the new plant is built, the shipments of bottled water must continue. That's awful, and I imagine Curve Lake is not the only community to encounter this problem. Sadly, they are not. Chief Emily Watung comments that for her, Curve Lake's battle to get clean water reflects the fight of many Indigenous communities. Another quote from Chief Watung demonstrates the importance of water to their community. Water is life. It's what we grow our children in when they're in the womb, and we can't use any of what we have access to. So back to the question of what the Canadian government has done. The truth is, not enough. But progress is being made and the country is trying to make reparations. At the beginning of this year, the Federal Court of Canada granted a multi-billion dollar settlement that mandates the government to act more quickly to clean up contaminated drinking water on Indigenous reserves and compensate First Nation communities for decades without clean water. The government will spend at least $6 billion Canadian dollars over nine years to fund water infrastructure and operations on hundreds of reserves. 
In addition, the government will pay $1.5 billion in damages to around 140,000 Indigenous people. Despite being one of the world's most water-rich countries, Canada has been unable to secure Indigenous people's access to safe drinking water for too long, and the government admits it has failed. Justin Trudeau, who was then running for Prime Minister of Canada, made an ambitious commitment in 2015 to eradicate the problem of contaminated water in more than 100 First Nation communities throughout the country. However, the federal minister in charge of the matter admits that the government has missed its own five-year goal of March 2021, and that he has no excuse for why communities that have been without clean water for decades are still without it. In an interview with The Guardian, the Federal Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller said, It's unacceptable in a country that is financially one of the most wealthy in the world and water-rich, and the reality is that many communities don't have access to clean water. Trudeau's government has made headway on the issue since taking office and invested over $2 billion Canadian dollars. In 2016, there were 105 communities with long-term water advisories. That number has now been reduced to 28. That's great progress. But really, in Canada, in 2022, there should be no communities without access to clean water. I agree. The federal government claims the figure is still high due to delays caused by COVID-19. However, according to a damning report released by the Canada's Auditor General at the end of February 2021, the federal government failed to spend sufficient resources in the endeavor, and most of the work was behind even before the pandemic. The auditor also discovered that the government lifted a number of drinking water advisories because of temporary measures they put in, rather than long-term upgrades. So that means that the water advisories aren't over, just postponed. Exactly. Unless the proper infrastructure is put in place and measures to assure sustainability are well executed, we may very well be in the same position in 10 or 20 years. Charles Hume, a Champagne and Aishahik First Nation elder, comments, It seems impossible that some communities have been dealing with drinking water warnings for over two decades. He says, We're not looked at the same. We're actually the last on the totem pole. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Planet for the People. Thank you, Mari and Alexa, for educating us on the important topic. Now to Elise and Katie to share how you can take action. If you feel the same passion to help address this issue as we do, visit waterfirst.ngo, where you can donate and learn how to become actively involved within your community to improve this water crisis. Signing the Clean Water for Indigenous Communities from the Great Lake Basin petition on change.org is yet another way to express to Indigenous communities that you care about this conflict that is occurring within their area. If you would like additional information on environmental racism, visit the Climate Reality website where you can find further definitions and blogs from environmentalists within your area. Thank you for tuning in with us today to discuss the inequitable access to clean drinking water in Canada. Don't forget to come along with us in our upcoming episode as we explore the next environmental racism issue. Have a great day, everyone. We would like to take a moment to thank our wonderful sponsors, the Department of Canadian Heritage, Canada Life, Power Corporation, and WestJet for making this series possible. Experiences Canada is a nationally registered charity that helps young Canadians to explore their country in ways they may have never imagined through reciprocal exchanges, forums, and other experiential learning opportunities to travel and connect with one another. Please visit our website, www.experiencescanada.ca, for more information on our programs. Be sure to check out the other podcasts in our allyship series and learn alongside us as we work towards becoming better allies in all aspects of our lives.